0: The views and opinions expressed in this episode do not necessarily reflect the official thought or position of any agency of the Growing Up Rock podcast. Examples of analysis within this episode are most likely incorrect by Hollywood standards and are for entertainment purposes only. Had to be clear, since we have Cobras and Fire's representation in the house, Growing Up Rock podcast. Turn it up, baby.
1: You're listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your host, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Poonie.
2: So this week on Growing Up Rock, it's all about the graduation day and Hollywood Pooney decided to get stuck in Hollywood, California, and he is completely ducking us for this episode. But i've enlisted the help of our friend from cobras and fire Baco. what's happening my friend
3: i am uh living la vida loca up here in saint paul mr stephen michael
2: (laughs) and so we're looking forward to having you on the show and talking a little about our senior years how was your senior year in high school man do you remember that
3: yeah it was great uh it I, I I switched schools between sixth and seventh grade, and seventh, eighth, and ninth grade were pretty much a, a complete disaster socially for me, trying to make new friends in a bigger school and all that stuff. But things started to turn for me around tenth, and by eleventh grade, I was you know finally like living like a normal teenage life. Uh, and senior year was a was a fucking blast, man. Um, you know parties going. I mean, my, my high school uh, basketball team won state. That was a blast. I awesome. uh, uh, went to a lot of concerts for the first time, got my driver's license, all that good stuff. How about you?
2: Yeah. So my high school career was a little bit interesting. I started out as a jock in uh, ninth and 10th grade. And then uh, somewhere around the 10th grade, I started transitioning into music and that kind of took over my life. I was hanging out with the... What we called the heads at the time. You, you, did you guys have the heads in in high we school? We had
3: burnouts, yeah. burnouts and preps. Was our uh, class uh, structure?
2: Yeah, that's right. So I started started kind of hanging out with that and getting into music and playing guitar a little bit, and uh, that kind of took over my life. And you know, I still still did functions in high school. I, I took part uh, in my senior year in the yearbook staff and you know, did some creative stuff, but I was all about music probably from the end of my 10th grade year through my 11th and, and my senior year, my 11th grade, uh, year was, was basically a wash because I think I skipped so many damn days that I, I almost wound up in, uh, in summer school, but I I managed to, to nix that, you know?
3: Yeah, I, I, I failed four classes my first uh, uh, half a year at uh, we did quarters back then. I think it's all semesters now. But my first and second quarter, I failed four classes. Now, and because of that, the ninth grade, I'm talking, I was in summer school, ninth, 10th and 11th grade. And it taught me a lesson because I, I could do the math. I'm like, I could only do this much this one summer. I only got two more summers to make up. I got my shit in order after that. Uh, you know, I was a good student prior you know things weren't great at home so that led to it a little bit but yeah it's it snapped my ass in gear music was a big part of of life pretty much since the age of seven but yeah by by my senior year it was music and girls and since i wasn't getting any action from girls it was a lot of music and you know maybe maybe some underage drinking in there
2: that's what i'm talking about Well, we're gonna talk about all that shit and play some kick-ass rock and roll but before we do that we're gonna do this right here
1: Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it.
0: Grown Ups of the Week, Metal Empire Mag, Kim at Nobody's Real, Rodney Dixon, Adam Cox, Fast Vinny, Podcast Rock City, Vinny Falletti, Alan Tate, Monica Reentz, Decimal Geek Podcast, Rebecca, Leia, Rob Alanese, Tony Masalam from The Restrained, The Rock and Roll Queen, Folkpoprock.com, David Kathy, Popcast, I Love It Loudcast, Steve Wright, EMZT Radio Podcast, Talking Metal, JW Buford Second, Prince Eternity. Daryl Alber, Classic Rock Drops, Eladio, Tom Dust, Arby's Vault Overseer, Courtney Cronin Dold, My Rock and Roll Heaven, Tomas Claude 11, Jason Kearney, Save Rock and Metal, HairNetRadio.com, Brian Chambers, Bella Lowe's 1966, Ogata, Bill Algie, and the band Restrained. So thank you very much for sharing. And uh, retweeting,
2: yep, we appreciate each and every one of you guys when you help us out, it's helping us to get the name of Grown Up Rock out there. I also want to give a special shout out and a special thank you to Victor Ruiz from Ear Peeler. Uh, if you guys aren't familiar with Ear Peeler, it's a site that you can go to earpeeler.com and all the rock podcast that you guys either listen to or should be listening to are all in one place. So you can go there. You can search out Grown Up Rock. You can search out your Decibel Geeks and your Talk To Me's and your Cobras and Fire and all these other cool podcasts and get your rock fix right in one place. Please check him out. He does a lot for all the podcasters out there and we appreciate Victor. So thank you, Victor. Sonny, what else we got going on before we let these folks go uh, since you were absent from this episode because you were stuck in some sort of, um, I don't know, what was it, a black hole, time fraction, ripping um, in the um, universe? What was going on there, man?
0: You know, I'm, I'm living like four lives because uh, <laughs> I got the kids, the friends, the wife, the job, the podcast. Like I guess I'm living like six lives. And those lives kind of collided that day, so I couldn't get away.
2: Understandable. As we've said many, 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 many times, we podcast because we love rock and roll, and we like sharing it with people, but this is not our jobs. This does not pay the bills. We actually pay money to do this when it comes down to it, but... Uh, We do appreciate you guys listening. We do appreciate you guys sharing and leaving us a five-star review, either on our Facebook page or our iTunes page. And we are more than happy to share that. In fact, I'm going to share that right now with one of you folks. We got a brand new five star review on iTunes, and the title of it is absolutely awesome. And not with one, not with two, not even with three exclamation points, but with four, Sunny, four. And that's by Sam Rocks. One, two, three, four. And it says, "Great host, great topics, and best of all, great passion." Keep it going, dudes. So short, sweet. To the point, we love it. It's how we know we're doing a good job. And so thank you, Sam Rocks. You rock. But that's all good. But go to our uh, Facebook page or iTunes. Leave us a five-star review. Uh, share up those episodes. That helps us out greatly. Uh, go to the Facebook page. Like. All these things you can do. It you absolutely nothing. It's free to you. But if you want to help us out shoot a little money our way, then you can do that just by going through our Amazon link at grownuprock.com and doing your shopping just as you normally would do at Amazon. We get a little bit of the kickback and it helps us out because it costs us money to put these hosting fees to work. So that's all we would say. Sonny, you got anything you want to add to all that?
0: No, that's it. Thanks a lot for the support. And I'm looking forward to hearing the episode I wasn't on.
2: That's it. Up next is our episode All About the Graduation Day with our special guest, Baco from Cobra's and Fire, in the absence of Hollywood Pooney, who was stuck in Hollywood, California. So, anyway, <laughs> enjoy.
0: Later. Later.
1: It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight.
2: All right. So this week on the Crank It Up Spotlight, or as we like to change the name to New in the Listening Room to go along with the growing up rock theme, Sonny picked out a song, and he's not here to back it up, but I'm good with it, and I'll talk a little bit about it. So Sonny picked a song. Uh, Wait,
3: wait. Hold on a second. got to stop you there. (laughs) Okay, I am not good with it. I mean, Hollywood has been ducking me for years. This is super not cool, man.
2: Dude, I agree. I think you should voice your opinion with it. Say no, some shit about on. him. Right. He's not here to defend himself, and you know, yeah, I'm that's, not.
3: That's the reason I'm talking shit is because he can't say anything. It's but that's kind of my forte. No, uh, yeah, I like to interrupt and uh, change things. So I'm going to let you keep going.
2: All right. Hey, interrupt at any point. You're our guest on oh, the I show. Will. Yeah, yeah. You know, and Sonny, <laughs> I mean, he's not here to defend himself, so you know. <laughs>
3: Hollywood. Who's he kidding? More it's, like Milwaukee.
2: Exactly. That's what I'm talking about.
3: No one says I'm I'm Sonny Milwaukee Poonie.
2: Exactly. That's right. But Sonny was kind enough to pick out a song and it's from a band called Took. And Took is kind of a side band for Brett Fence and Todd Kearns.
3: Are they both Canadian?
2: Up there in Canada, hey. They are both Canadians, and so they put together this side project. <laughs> and, and do you know what a toque is?
3: I do, but I, I have to chime in here. You're, you're. I mean, are you where you have a bit of a southern
2: accent? <laughs> I'm completely southern. <laughs>
3: I, th- I think, at least for today, my favorite thing is your southern accent doing a Canadian accent might be the best thing that's happened to me in the last 24 hours.
2: All right, eh?
3: Yeah, and a toque <laughs> is uh, basically winter cap.
2: It is, yeah. I got that education, I think, from uh, from Todd. Uh, When we we sat down with Todd and Brent uh, at the Indie Kiss Expo and talked to them for a little while on the podcast, and Todd, it was either Todd or Brent, and I'm sorry, I can't remember which one of you guys was was queuing me into Tuke, but you told me about this side project, and it's basically a covers album of all these Canadian bands that you may or may not know that are friends of these guys and they love these tunes. So they put together this record and it's actually a really good record. Uh, and songs that they cover that you would know is like, uh, they do a cover of working for the weekend by lover boy, but then they do a bunch of things from bands. Another that,
3: Canadian band. Yep.
2: Yeah, and it's all Canadian. I mean, all the bands they cover are Canadian bands and
3: they cover any, uh, shit, <laughs> I had a joke there. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now. They cover any Kim Mitchell. <laughs> they do
2: they do uh they do go for a soda go for
3: soda oh it's yeah.
2: awesome and it's and it's a fantastic cover of that i mean they do a really good uh, job with that one but i'm going to play uh the song that Sonny uh picked out for us is from honeymoon suite i'm sure you're familiar <laughs> with them
3: is it i got a new girl now we're gonna do a little
2: new girl now from Tuke here you go <laughs> was toque, and it's spelled T-O-Q-U-E, if you want to go Google that and look it up. It's a pretty good record.
3: You never heard Bob and Doug McKenzie's 12 Days of Christmas? I mean, you're, you're a little old enough guy.
2: Oh, yeah. I know I know has, exactly what you're talking it has, uh, about.
3: On uh, like, um, one of the days, they get toques.
2: Ah, no, I, I don't remember that, but it's been a million years uh, uh, since I heard that. That's where I first heard it. My knowledge of Canada is uh, Rush and Triumph. And and Brett Fitz and Todd Kearns and that's my and Loverboy. <laughs> and now oh. Honeymoon Suite. So let's jump right into this topic this week. So graduation day. Because this time of year, when I came up with this idea, it's because I worked security for a lot of the different like arenas and venues here in town. And so Mm -hmm. lately, the last two weeks, it's been all high school graduations.
3: Of course, Captain.
2: And I can't help but go into these high school graduations, and I'm kind of like, wow, I remember. I remember this. I remember when my life went horribly wrong. That's really (laughs) fucking cool.
3: (laughs) and then a little party like I probably shouldn't be thinking about that girl the way I am right now but there's a chance she's 18 right
2: Oh dude I'm telling you what and they're wearing basically <laughs> nothing <laughs> under those caps and gowns anymore but uh,
3: Well did you did you what did you wear under your cap and gown anything I, you I know won't, but red Flintstone t-shirt and cut off jean shorts.
2: Yeah. You know, I really, to be honest, I can't remember. I'm almost a hundred percent sure that it was probably like a concert t-shirt or it was an Izod polo and probably shorts because I graduated down in Florida and it's hot as shit in June. Um, Florida. Yeah. Florida. Florida. So it was hot as shit, but I'll tell you what I did, man. I dug out like I dug out my yearbook and I dug out my class uh, For today? Yeah, I did. Man. Me too, man. Totally. I can't I can't wait to hear this because it's interesting and I really I haven't touched my yearbook in probably I mean, at least thirty years, I'm sure. And I picked this up and for me, my graduating year was nineteen eighty four. What graduating year did you Graduate,
3: 1989 Owatonna Senior High School, go Indians.
2: Sweet. Okay, so 1984 uh, Washington Wildcats, go Wildcats. And Sonny, if he were here, he'd be like, "Well, I was really smart, so like I I graduated two years ahead of when I was supposed to graduate, so I graduated in 1986. Go Hollywood." All right. I assumed he was
3: homeschooled.
2: <laughs> no, I don't think. What he kind was of ceremony did his
3: parents put together for him? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't think he
2: was homeschooled. I think they wanted him out of okay, the house.
3: Uh, hey, you said I could uh, rip on him because he's not here. He's bigger than me too. If I was in the same room, I would never say these things to him. So.
2: <laughs> oh, totally. No, nah. Sonny's got a good sense of humor, and we do it all in fun. I know he appreciates it. He might be
3: it. the nicest person I've ever met on the planet. At least, at least in my little interactions with him. So
2: he'll be nice until he hears this podcast. Then he'll go ape shit. I'm positive <laughs> of it. <laughs>
3: he'll start a fake Twitter account to tear me apart and probably
2: uh. <laughs> <laughs> he'll go on podcast Rock City and rip us both a new one.
3: I would have that coming for sure, especially, you know, some of my thoughts on KISS aren't always positive. So,
2: <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that's uh, 84 for me. And um, I don't remember what I was wearing under my cap and gown. Uh, I do remember it was Beach Week and that was the theme. Do you remember what your class song was?
3: Oh, shit. You know what? I think I might have it in front of me. Uh, I do not remember.
2: Okay. I, I looked mine up because it is in my yearbook. I, I stumbled upon it. And, and 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 our class song was Up Where You Belong. <laughs> <laughs> you know that song, right? Up Where We Belong is from The Officer and The Gentleman. You da, 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 Up Where You Belong. That Oh, tank. my God.
3: Love Lifted Us Up Where... Uh, <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, where the where the wind blows and the flowers flow, I don't know some shit. Well,
3: I, in my yearbook when I was looking today, we did have uh, a poll to pick the top five songs, and the poll resulted with. You want me to count down? Yeah, do it. Song remains the same. I'm not really sure who that would have been. That's not uh, is that must be uh, Zeppelin thing.
2: It's Zeppelin, but why would that song? be? Been- um,
3: the, they didn't stick it to the, the year though.
2: Oh, they did no, Almost okay. none of these
3: were the actual Drive Me Crazy, which was uh the Fine Young Cannibals, I believe. Yep. Sweet Mine coming in at number three. Sweet. And yeah, it had to be a Zeppelin song the same because number two is Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> so we have two Zeppelin songs, and number one makes it two Guns and Roses songs, Patience was the top pulled song of my senior class.
2: Interesting. That's funny. Yeah. Two two Zeppelin songs, huh? And Zeppelin uh-huh. at 89, Zeppelin's long gone by this point.
3: Oh, I, absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
2: That's a trip. So, you already talked about 89 being your year. Let's go into your first uh selection for our listeners here. What what song and what band have you uh selected for us to spin? and uh, what's the significance, or is there any?
3: You made it a little difficult for me, because I kind of wanted to talk more about music of my high school, but, you know, I stick with the show theme, so we stuck to music from 89. A lot of the music of 89 that I got into came out after I would have graduated, so it wasn't necessarily tied to, to high school, if that makes any sense, but... One of my favorite bands that I was starting to kind of drift away from a little bit anyway, released a record out, uh, and that's Wasp, The Headless Children. And I've, I've, I bought all into Wasp when that first record came out. I want to be somebody that first album is still one first song to the last song, uh, a killer record. I can put it on and, and, and almost get time warped back to, you know, sitting in my bedroom, jerking off and <laughs> listening to this, you know. Uh, but, you know, I, and then the, the follow up records were great, too. This is the first one that you know, I was a little iffy on, uh, but it was kind of a a borderline concept record which maybe you know wasn't my forte at the time it had that great cover of the who song though uh, the real me uh, but the song i want to play is a song that i don't know it just it doesn't have really any connection other than i think it kicks fucking ass and i guarantee it made it onto a lot of mixtapes that were in the old 1975 cordoba i was driving around that year and that is uh, rebel in the fdg yeah.
2: So I don't know what I'm more disturbed about—the fact that Wasp put out a record called Headless Children, or the fact that you were jerking it to a song by Wasp <laughs> off a record called Freaking Headless Children. Oh my God! I
3: don't know, if it was a self-titled one, but it's probably Tormentor, you know, something like that.
2: Or, <laughs> yeah. I so- uh, so I love I love that first wasp record and I and I really uh was a big fan of The Last Command. And after The Last Command, I started to kind of fall out a little bit. And I wasn't real familiar with Headless Children. So when you said you were gonna play this song, I honestly I can't tell you that I've ever heard this song. So I went out and I listened to it and I was like, holy shit, this song absolutely kicks ass. It reminds me of something that would be on like last command because it kind of has that that driving beginning beat of like a um, ball crusher or uh, jack action or something like that. Right.
3: You can feel your, your foot press the accelerator down a little bit more, you know, I mean, it's like get out of my way
2: uh completely man that that song's so badass and i mean i i do love wasp i'm a huge fan of wasp i just i fell out after the first couple records and you know i picked them back up more recently with uh like golgotha i started uh checking out the crimson idol reissue and just some different stuff that
3: was a solid product
2: yeah just checking out some things that I kind of missed along the way but that's one of the great things about music lately is that I'm able to now that I've been doing this podcast for a year now and hanging out with a lot of you guys it's made me kind of go and rediscover stuff that I either forgot about or stuff that I just never really explored at the time I somehow missed
3: it on that note alone I will tell you this uh Uh, kind of hooking up with loose cannon and and, and doing this and experience a lot of this new music. It really kind of re energized, you know, my love for music. I was kind of like just stuck in the stuff that I was with for most of my life with the last 10 years being a waste as far as new music. But it it just, there's times that we talk about things that just reminds me and it, it takes me back and. It's so refreshing, and we do a lot of new music, as you know, and and, and a lot of that stuff just kind of it grabs you like it did when you were it, – it, it's just good to know that it, 30 years later I can still, you know, get the hairs on my arms standing up over a good tune.
2: Yeah, completely. That's awesome. Well, so I'm going to go into my uh, selection for 84, my first selection. So Ronnie James Dio puts out Holy Diver, I think, in 83. Correct. Completely awesome record. I mean, fantastic. I thought the two records that he did with Sabbath, the two studio records, I should say, the two studio records he did with Sabbath, in my opinion, for yeah. me, I enjoyed those more I- than the Ozzy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know it's I know it's split faction, and I know that that Ozzy is the obvious choice for a lot of people, and we'll talk more about Ozzy a little bit later on. But I'm sorry, I just really enjoy those Sabbath records with with. That's Dio. okay.
3: They're two great records. It's too bad it was only two. Yeah, at least at the time. I mean, Dehumanizer came along later, but yeah.
2: And I don't think Dehumanizer stands up, in my opinion. There's some stuff on it that I Me really either. like. But uh, overall... but It's okay. But then in 84, my graduation year, he releases the follow-up, which is the last in line, which, in my opinion, I thought was fantastic follow-up.
3: You want a little fun fact, as I like to call them? Yeah, a sure. Fun fact? Yeah, man. I own a Dio t-shirt before I ever heard his music. I got in mono this summer. It had to be around 80. It had to be the summer 84. Now that we're talking about it and to make me feel better. One of the fi- few moments of my stepmother was gracious to me. You know, it wasn't easy to get a rock and roll t-shirt in my town. She had to go to another town doing mall and she bought me a Dio shirt. She said, this looked like one of the bands you would like. And I, I was like, now I need to buy the album. And of course it's great.
2: Yeah. You're a fan
3: shit the first four deal records are are really good
2: yeah
3: and this is my favorite last in line yeah
2: last in line I, i i go back and forth between this one and the first one uh because it's really hard for me to get away from that first record that holy diver record has so much they both have great stuff on them
3: agreed i i just don't like track one and two as much as i do on this record you know
2: you don't like track one and two on holy diver
3: Correct. Wow. I, no, not not to say I don't like them. I just, they don't, I don't think the song Holy Diver is, is, is not one of my favorite Dio songs. It's, yeah. it's a pretty good song. And what's the opener on that one? Not We Rock. Stand it's, Up uh, and Shout stand up and shout do not really care for that tune at all dude
2: oh my god i'm gonna interrupt you right there i'm gonna need to stop (laughs) talking to you at this point because stand up and shout might possibly be one of the best lead off tracks on a record of all time if that doesn't get your blood pumping i mean for god's sakes Baco, if you would just quit dry humping Red sunrise or red sun sunrise or red. You
3: understand, I, th- they didn't exist. They probably weren't even born for that song. That song never did it for me. Yeah, you know, Wally from uh, the Canadian geeks Cat Metal and drink beer. He's he's been tearing me a new asshole because I, I mentioned that on some Facebook post. But uh, look, I'm sorry. That song is just kind of boring.
4: Oh my
2: God. Stand up dude that freaking guitar kicks your ass I don't know how you don't love that song I mean Jesus Christ you call yourself a rock fan
3: <laughs> just need more than more than that my, or Stephen so I almost called you Michael because you have two first names that's kind of confusing
2: I know yeah it's it can be all right yeah i'm going to play uh this song because i absolutely love this song it's a little bit deeper in the record i'm gonna play i speed at night Do you hate that tune too?
3: No, I. I uh, you you clearly, uh, That's a great pick. I, I could almost go with anything on Last in Line, honestly.
2: Yeah, I, I like We Rock. I just don't think We Rock stands up to uh, Stand Up and Shout.
3: It's like Stand Up and Shout Part Two.
2: It is. I agree.
3: But that's how Dio went. He's like every record was like the first really old, song has to be a fast three and a half minute kind of song. The next one is a pedal track and it's epic.
2: Yeah, and that's true for even like the Sabbath stuff. I mean, you had Neon Nights and you had... Yeah. Um,
3: oh, That's a great opener.
2: Oh, Neon Nights is fantastic. And and what was it on Mob Rules? It was um, Turn Up the Light. That's the lead off. It goes Turn Up the Light and then Voodoo. But both those songs kick ass, man. God damn, two great records. Heaven and Hell, Mob Rules, and then the Dio shit afterwards. So you can't go wrong with it.
0: Pretty good
3: run, man.
2: I love it. So, did you see any good concerts your senior year in high
3: school? I did actually. You know, if you want to start with the summer right before my senior year, sure. My summer of '88, so it would have been right before my senior year, was I, I saw the Monsters of Rock tour with Van Halen, Scorpions, uh, Metallica, Docking, and Kingdom Come.
2: Dude, you're that's. I remember that tour. It never came anywhere near where I lived. So that's awesome. What, what do you remember of that show?
3: 1995 for main floor seats, 23rd row. I believe docking had all sorts of technical issues. Kingdom come sounded great. They were the first band and Metallica was the second band. And I swear (laughs) it was almost like 50, 50, like the crowd was there. I mean, there were so many people there just for Metallica. Which seemed odd for me. I, I was a fan, but not that like not that big. And their new record hadn't even coming out yet. And they were the second band on the, on that bill. It's like you know you're gonna get a small sample of Metallica, but fucking hey, it was clear at that point Metallica was about to take the world over. And then the Scorpions sounded perfect and looked perfect, which kind of perturbed me. It seemed like if they twitched a hip, it was choreographed. <laughs> like, and then they tried to act all loose and goofy, but they're really just tight, rigid Germans, you know? And, uh, and Van Halen, uh, first tour with Sammy Hagar fucking blew me away. I was a fan from that moment on. I was kind of undecided prior.
2: What were you initially? Are you, are you a, uh, Sammy guy or Dave guy?
3: Well, I think the classic, Van, you know, here's how I'll break it down. I think Sammy did better albums. If you want to listen to a record from beginning to end, but if you want those songs that are just going to knock you in on your ass, they're all Dave era songs. That's kind of how I feel. Yeah. I love them both. I just, I don't really have that. I, I almost look at them as two different bands in a way.
2: Yeah, I completely look at them as two different bands. I, I'm always a Dave guy because that, I tell people Van Halen was for me growing up what Kiss was to a lot of people growing up. Van Halen was a band for me. So I came in on fair warning and went backwards. And so it is that Dave Error shit for me, you know?
3: Not a lot of strong albums though. The first one is is fantastic. 84 is is great beginning to end. The rest of them though, I mean, peaks are so high though. You know they almost cover, but you know like Diver Down is basically an album of covers. You know it's just it's it's kind of weird that way. You know, Uh, but Dave one of the best frontman of probably the best frontman of in, in rock and roll as far as I'm concerned.
2: Yeah, I mean it's all that's all opinionated stuff. I mean I lo- I loved the first four Van Halen records, front to back. I loved each each and every one of them. I loved every song on them, and and Diver Down really. I mean, I love Diver Down because at the time, I wasn't aware that there were as many covers as there were on that. Like, I didn't know. Oh, fair enough. I didn't know Dancing in the Streets and uh, Where Have All the Good Times Gone. I mean, I knew Pretty Woman was a cover, but I didn't know some of the other ones uh, were covers. And so uh, I enjoyed Diver Down as well. 84 was okay, but... I really, really was not a huge fan of Jump when they released that.
3: Probably the only song in there I really don't need that much of.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, it just... it kind of started heading downhill after '84 for me. I mean, '84 was the last one they did with Dave. But
3: so you're anti-Sammy the Van Hager stuff.
2: I was at first, but I decided. You know, as as you mature, you you go back and you listen to things, and you go, you know, this really isn't that bad. And I think probably I was anti-Sammy because I was bitter. I mean, I'll be honest.
3: Well. Sammy is a little more family friendly and that's not something you really want in your band. If that makes any sense.
2: Yeah. You know, I don't know. I never took it as that. I just, I mean, I was just bitter, I guess. I mean, but really, you know, I mean, you listen to that record. There's some really good rock and roll shit on there. So. Sure. I went back. I was good with it. I'm good with both bands now, but it is two totally different bands in my eyes in my ears as well. So, but if I'm
3: picking one, I, I will take the Roth era. Yeah. So what you got up next
2: for us, what you going to play for us next?
3: Are we not playing Pooney's picks? We're going to try to shove them at the end. Or? Uh,
2: you know what? Screw Pooney, man. He wasn't here to pick his songs. I don't <laughs> think I should play his shit. I mean, what do you think? I can, I can play his shit. I'll tell you what, I'll go ahead and place Pooney's picks because he he spent the time of putting them in here. I told all the listeners Pooney graduated two years early and he graduated in 86. And so the first pick that uh our friend Hollywood picked, Hollywood's a pretty big Iron Maiden fan. And so Hollywood loves him some Bruce Dickinson. And he picked Somewhere in Time as the album that was released. During his graduation year and he picked an awesome tune off of this record for me somewhere in time was kind of the last Maiden record for me before I started to kind of check out on Maiden.
3: Yeah, I checked out with this record, although Wasted Years is still one of the greatest rock rock tracks of all time.
2: Oh, it's great. And there's some other good stuff on this record. Yeah,
3: it's, it's not the worst album in the world. Don't you think it's kind of weird that, because them and Maiden have always kind of had almost a symbiotic, you know, relationship for at least during this period, that they were the only two metal bands of that era that started messing around with the synth guitar.
2: Yeah. Who, who did you say the other one was? Maiden and who? Oh, uh, Judas Priest. Judas Priest. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree. And, and to to me during my high school years, that was Maiden and Priest. I mean, they were probably two of my top bands, um, at the time I remember oh, same here. Yeah. I um, remember completely doing like the Iron Maiden logo on my folders and the Judas Priest logo <laughs> on my folders.
3: I, I, I sat in algebra in, in ninth grade and I poked kiss logos with the tip of my pencil into the bulletin board I sat next to. But, uh, yeah, I wore out Live After Death the cassettes.
2: Holy shit! So I'm gonna read this passage from my. You know how you get your yearbooks signed and shit, right?
3: Ah, oh, fuck! I should go grab mine.
2: Dude, I'm gonna totally. <laughs> let me hear it, man. Let me hear it. I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you uh, grab yours, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna read this passage from a friend of mine that that I can hardly even remember. But his name was Paul, and he wrote, he wrote, "Hey Steve, what a year it's been." keep on rocking heavy metal forever scorpions judas priest iron maiden rock on (laughs) so so that kind of tells you where i was at in 1984 Um, indeed man uh so it's it's kind of funny to read some of these things but uh sunny sunny picked sea of madness off of somewhere in time and we'll go ahead and play that now song what do you think i am
3: yeah that's a good tune yeah
2: that's one of the better ones off that record i think
3: yeah i agree
2: cool so what you what you got
3: well i uh, i don't have a case of crabs because i never have <laughs> did you ever get crabs in high school no that seems like a thing that would happen in florida
2: Nah, no, i stayed away from all that <laughs> although, although i will say that i was friends with a band that the entire band got crabs because they stayed at a really shitty, shady motel one night.
3: Oh, right on. (laughs) How long did you play? Like, uh... Like, like you you were in a band or you did stuff like what was that like i mean like how, how how big a chunk of your life was that
2: dude so i ended up going the back route which was more on the business and the production side of things so i was a really oh, okay.
3: sh- I, you did say you played a little bit though right? oh i
2: did i was a really shitty guitar player and i wanted badly to be a rock star and it's funny kind of looking in some of these um in some of my yearbook things it references like a lot of the people that signed my yearbook reference hate keep, keep on practicing guitar, keep on playing guitar. Let a, Don't forget the little people when you're a big rock star, all this shit, which is kind of funny. And I mean, I, you know, I wish that I had the talent or the, I guess, fortitude to really practice hard, but I didn't. And so I ended up getting into more the production side of things and the business side of things and music and, and that did take a good chunk of my life, probably fifteen years of my life at one point. But uh yeah, guitar playing was never never really my thing. Uh I think I learned a handful of tunes and I could sit in with a band. In fact there's a video on YouTube and you'll never <laughs> find it, but there's a <laughs> Because I won't give you the names, but there's a video out. To on, the internet. No, there's a video out on YouTube at some point of me sitting in playing last in line with uh, some friends of mine in a band in a nightclub. So there you go.
3: Uh, look for that on the Cobras and Fire Facebook page soon.
2: <laughs> That's the beautiful thing about using all those fake names, man. So what you got? You got to play some music for us or read us some passages out of your yearbook, one of the two, or both. Well, I'll tell you
3: what. I'll pick a song, and maybe we'll come out of it with a yearbook passage. How about that? Awesome. L.A. Guns released Cocked and Loaded in 1989, and I really love the first record. It had kind of... Uh, oh, it was a bit of a mix of uh, punk and kind of that Guns N' Roses, you know, yep. once once Appetite for Destruction blew up, you had this band and and kind of Dangerous Toys as the two, like, main chasers of that sound that record labels went for. But they kind of smoothed things out a little bit on the second record, which was, you know, okay. They had the big hit with The Ballad of Jane, which, you know, got the the titties bouncing or at least squeezing. Um which is always a good thing, but for me, uh, you know, I like to pick something a little bit off the radar, a little, at least a little. I know it was a video, but I always love the song Never Enough, so I, is it cool if I play that?
2: Absolutely, one of my favorite L.A. gun tunes.
3: All right, I'm going to go grab my yearbook. <gasps> You soak. We made it through school. Now for the fun part, right? And don't forget, you owe me 50 bucks. Take care, Butsy.
2: <laughs> and, and do you remember this, Butsy?
3: Oh, yeah. He's, well, he's one of the three friends that uh, I still stay in somewhat regular contact with from uh, my senior year.
2: And for God's sakes, did you really owe him 50
3: bucks? I did, but I never paid him, no. Sweet. Now, we had some dumb, dumbass bet. Some, <laughs> I'm sure it involves smoking cigarettes or quitting or something. I don't know.
2: Fantastic. Yeah, uh, yeah. that L.A. Guns record, man. Cocked and Loaded. It's a great record. Never Enough, one of my favorite tunes for sure. It's one of my favorite L.A. Guns songs. I just love that song, man.
3: Yeah, it's so smooth. Yeah. It's never Enough.
2: Yep. Very cool tune. So one of the concerts that I went to. Can I guess? You won't guess, but go ahead. Yeah,
3: yeah give me one. You said one of the biggest. So I'm guessing Petra.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Right up my alley. No, I can honestly say i never seen oh, Petra. I, I, I'm sure they're quite good, but no. I
3: had to be close, so right? No. And, and in <laughs> fact,
2: if anything, it's the opposite end of Petra. Uh,
4: so, okay.
2: so I saw Ozzy, uh, with except opening on the bark at the moon tour.
3: Oh, right on balls for the wall tour for except, right?
2: Yes. And it was literally a week after my graduation because there's now, See,
3: you're a lot older than me. Uh, cause that was like. Like, the thing that, like, me and my, you know, fellow prepubescent uh, metalhead friends, we're like, oh, wouldn't it be awesome to go see Ozzy, but we live in a small town and our parents suck. (laughs) And you're slamming a sixer in the parking lot going, fucking Ozzy, right?
2: Oh, hell yes, I was. you damn straight. And, in fact, I had, um, uh, we went down to the hotel and. uh, um,
3: (laughs) You're the guy that wouldn't buy me and my friend beer.
2: Oh, completely. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, no, I wasn't of age then. I was drinking, but uh, I wasn't of age then. Because it was literally, it was um it was a week after graduation. So I would have been 17 heard, years heard old. I'd have been 17 years old. And we had to travel two hours to go to any major concerts. We went, I think, uh, you know, we were out of school. It was the summer. It was Ozzy and except We went down to the hotel to try to track down Ozzy. We ran into Jakey Lee. I got a picture with Jakey Lee. That was Boss. that was his first tour, obviously, with Ozzy, with Brook yeah. of the Moon. We met all the guys in it sept. So we got pictures with like Wolf Hoffman and, and Udo and all these guys in it sept and
3: they have a stool or something for Udo to stand yeah. on? Or?
2: No, but he comes up to about my shoulders.
3: Yeah, yeah he's, a, he's a, 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 not a very uh, tall guy.
2: No, we call him the little bulldog. <laughs>
3: he is now. He, he should be called Pitbull, not that, uh, I don't know, uh, Cuban jackass. Exactly.
2: But, yeah, it was an awesome concert. I remember. Uh, I remember except being really, really good. That was probably the biggest concert from my senior year that I can recall. Uh, I know there was a few other concerts, and there were some big concerts over the years. But
3: Jakey Lee is my favorite Ozzy guitar player.
2: Is he really? Yeah, I, I can't honestly say that, because I think the records that Zach and Randy did are just better records, in my opinion.
3: Um, Yeah, I, I don't think Bark at the Moon is a great album. I like Jake's playing is what I'm getting at. Uh, As a player, he was uh, more up my alley. I think um, I I get so much crap if I talk about Randy Rhodes. Randy Rhodes is a phenomenal player. Uh, Jakey Lee was just more of my cup of tea. Uh, But I think The Ultimate Sin front to back is one of Ozzy's top five.
2: I did enjoy Ultimate Sin much better than Bark at the Moon. I really, really was a big fan of No Rest for the Wicked, which was Zach's first record. Yeah, that's a
3: very good record.
2: Really loved that record. And then the two records with Randy are just, I mean, there's nothing you can say about them. They're classic albums.
3: Of course. You know, so. I mean, I own all these records. I'm not shooting down any of them. Just Jake was my guy.
2: Yeah, that's fair enough. That's all right. You know, one record uh, of Ozzy's that that I think is probably underappreciated and it did a lot for me in my high school years was Speak of the Devil.
3: <laughs> Perfectly rated.
2: <laughs> I thought that was a I thought that was a great live record like it it really brought the Black Sabbath material more to my attention because at the at the time I was just kind of a casual Aussie Sabbath fan. Okay. You know,
3: yeah, I heard it for the first time after I was already kind of caught up on Sabbath and heard the Aussie stuff, so like you know eighty four eighty five would have been when I first get got a chance to hear it. It's not a bad album. I just uh, there's only a handful of live albums that really do it for me. That's just not one of them, yeah, it's difficult to kind of get on my radar if it's a live record anyway, and when it's like your solo album, you went solo and then you do a live album of your old band. That was kind of weird. I just uh, and and we all know the story now that he was doing it to kind of fuck with them because they did live evil at that same time. Well, and it's also kind of tied into Randy's death to not kind of bring somebody in to record a live album, but also have a live album to kind of fill some space to figure out what the hell is going on. So. It's kind of a dark period, actually, now that I think
2: about it. Well, and I think I read in Rudy Sarzo's book, I read that Ozzy also owed something to Sharon's dad at Jet Records. Uh, And so I think it was also to pay off a debt to Jet Records, if I'm not mistaken. I may be wrong about that, but I think that's what they said was also part of the bargain.
3: Yeah, that sounds about right you know, that's generally
2: <laughs> when bands do live records, that's usually the deals that they owe the record company. One more record or some shit like that, you know? So, yeah. uh, but what just out of curiosity, so you said there's only a handful of live records that do it for you. What, what are the records that do it for you?
3: Well, I don't listen to it that much anymore, but kiss alive too, was what brought me into kiss kiss alive is probably the pinnacle of live records. And I actually think the one I mentioned just a little bit ago, Iron Maiden's Live After Death, may be the last you gotta listen to live record. I also like the Kiss Unplugged live album. I thought the tribute record that Ozzy did was good, when, you know, which is a little bit more down the line, but it featured Randy Rhodes on it. So it's kind of in that zone. Um, if you... <laughs> Uh, Frampton Comes Alive, not a bad album.
2: <laughs> I was just about to ask you, so Frampton Comes Alive for you then. All right.
3: Yeah, I'm not a Peter Frampton fan at all. So I can listen to that from beginning to end just because it has that kind of, you know, but it, to me, that's almost like listening to Tool. You kind of throw it on while you're doing something, you don't yeah. actually pay attention. So, Fair but enough. It's a well re- recorded record.
2: All right. Fair enough. Well, shit, I'm going to play a tune then. This band I was really starting to get into in high school and really, really loved this record when it came out. Uh, Dawkins Tooth and Nail. Oh, yes. I'm a pretty huge Docking fan. I mean, the first record I thought was okay, but when they put out Tooth and Nail, I was freaking in. I just, I couldn't, I wore this cassette out.
3: I think the first record is actually a bad record. It's got breaking the chains and then almost nothing, but this record, I'm with you.
2: Yeah, I mean the first record had a few things and it has some stuff to tolerate, but
3: there's no boner songs on that record. There's nothing that gets you going though. But hey, it's the first record, yeah. you know. I mean,
2: yeah. I mean, I I wouldn't argue that fact with you. I think I'm a little bit easier to please just because I'm. I'm just pretty easy when it comes to music for the most part. <laughs> that's what she said. Oh, shit. I had to throw that in there. but
3: Do We have that on tape. My standards are higher.
2: Yeah, absolutely they are.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Except for Red Sun Rising, apparently that's my go-to. God baby. Dang,
2: if you're not dry-humping Red Sun Rising or the Glorious Suns, then I don't know what's going on I'll, I'll
3: give you the Glorious Suns. Those two records are amazing, but I... I have said repeatedly that first Red Sun Rising record, phenomenal three to four songs right at the beginning. And then eh, it's okay. They're a new record. I wrote a review for a decibel geek, not impressed.
2: (laughs) So I'll say this about covers and fire. You guys play some interesting music. And I mean that in the best possible way, because you guys do play shit that a lot of times I just, I'll be honest. They're not on my radar. I haven't heard of them. And Sometimes you'll, yeah, that's a great thing. And so sometimes you'll spout out stuff and I'll, I'll Apple music and go, okay, what's this all about? And so as much, as much dry humping as you've done with red sun rising <laughs> and glorious suns, I, I added both of those records to my, uh, to my thing and, and said, okay, I'm going to check these bands out. So I checked out red sunrise and kind of reminds me a little bit of like older, maybe older stone temple pilots. Now I've only (laughs) listened to it a little bit, but that's just kind of my initial, my initial thought on that. And Gloria sun's really not, I don't think they're necessarily a hard rock band. Are they?
3: No, they're a rock band. Yeah. They're more, they're closer to the stones. Mm. Yeah. You know, I I mean uh but the songwriting and the singing and just if you really need a hard funky edge I I, I said I'll cop to it. I, I mean, I even said it when I interviewed the singer uh, a couple months back. I can gush over you. I'm probably going to give you the biggest ego boost you're going to get because I don't know that I can be objective talking to you. Just because I I'm I'm just that big of a fan. I so I'll cop to that one, Red Sun. I think they're a fantastic band. I think they got a great future. I just don't really care for the songs on the newest record. So
2: yeah, I did enjoy your interview with uh, what's his name, Brett something or Brett? other.
3: Yeah, yeah. Hey, he's a very, yeah, uh, very thoughtful and uh, introspective young man.
2: He is. I, I agree. I enjoyed the interview, and and again. When I listened to the interview, it was, I didn't know anything about this band. I mean, initially I didn't. And I think there's, you know, it's kind of confusing because there's a lot of bands out there with similar names, right? You got the Rival Sons, the Glorious Sons. You got, there's yeah. there's some wait, Wayward Sons maybe, or there's there's a couple of very similar names. So all that shit confused me a little bit. Um, but they are
3: Canadian, so maybe your boys will uh, in toque will do a cover of one of their tunes that's, or something.
2: That's right. So, <laughs> I am looking forward to checking out a little bit more of those records because I saw that the Glorious Sons are coming to my neck of the woods fairly
5: oh. soon.
3: I strongly encourage you. I don't know if you heard the story between Luce and I, because I saw him here. Uh, and then they were playing in uh, his neck of the woods in Colorado uh, about a week later. Yeah. And he was going, he was going, he's like, ah, screw it, I I can't go. And I'm like, you're making a mistake. And that's all I said. And then he like started texting me like all these reasons why. I, and I'm like, are you, are you, are you trying to explain it to me or yourself? And he's like, screw it. I'm going. And then, yeah he he didn't regret it yeah. they, they do come off heavier live. I'll tell you that if if you're worried about that it it's it's yeah. a great show. Are they coming with the struts or doing something else?
2: No, I think they're doing something else. They're either playing solo or they're playing with somebody else, but I think um,
3: it's gonna be a fairly affordable evening if yeah. you uh go and you absolutely think they are not any good, just uh show me a uh text me a picture of what you paid for the tickets. I'll cover the cost.
2: I'm going to, I'm going to, um, I'd rather do something like, um, take a picture of something and say perfectly rated instead. (laughs) (laughs) All
3: right. Fair enough. Uh, you can, you can have that one.
2: All right. So let me play, let me play this docking song off a tooth and Dale. I'm going to bust out uh, a little bit deeper track. This song gets me going. I love this tune. So this is a song called don't close your eyes. I love that song. Uh, one of the cover bands that I used to work with back uh, right after I got out of high school, I, I spent the summer running their lights at uh, one of the local... They were the house band at uh, at a local club. And that was some of the best times of my life that I can remember because it was... Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I think it was like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, and they were the house band and all I did was drink and run lights and <laughs> the band the band played four sets of kick ass music that nobody And hey, where was this at? In Florida. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and and their set. I mean some of the songs they played in their set was shit that you were not hearing at the time and they were doing it serious justice. So don't close your eyes. They played I'll See the Light Tonight by Bay. they played Oh
3: Lord, that's a deep one. They
2: played Take Hold of the Flame by Queensryche. They that's played, another one. So some of the classic rock stuff they played. They played Smokin' by uh Boston. They played um eh. uh I think it's Queen of Spades by Styx. Yeah, old. Yeah, uh, they played they played Priest, they played um uh, two or three different types of pre-songs, and um, I think they played some Maiden in there, and uh, just really good shit, man. Good solid four sets of hard rock and uh, classic rock and roll, and uh, it was fantastic because on the weekends it would just pack out. The place would pack out, and it was wall to wall women. And uh, God damn it, I miss those times, Baco. I want to go back. <laughs>
3: I uh, you know, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't.
2: Yeah. I mean I'm the same way. I mean
3: If I could have like the Bill and Ted uh phone booth and just pick my moments.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Absolutely.
2: Yeah, for sure. All right. So Sonny, uh I'll speak for you because you're not here. Sonny picked it picked an interesting tune to play from eighty six. Both Baco and Is I Is that the
3: year he graduated two years early?
2: Yeah, he graduated in eighty six two years early. Homeschool, yep. Homeschool completely. I'm sure of it. <laughs> <laughs> Either that or special ed. One of the two.
3: Oh, he oh. <laughs> straight early from the short bus. <laughs> <laughs> oh
2: God! But no, he picked. uh He picked wasted, which was Pete Way's band after UFO, and I tried to get into wasted early on. I never did. And I could never get into it. I tried the record (laughs) vices.
3: Never even tried.
2: Are you a UFO fan at all?
3: (laughs) Not at all. Okay. Uh, And it's like uh, wasted. It's like I'm Gene Simmons with drugs is wasted to me.
2: Oh, God. I've never,
3: never tried, never will.
2: I do like UFO, but I couldn't get into wasted. But Sonny picked a record called Save Your Prayers by Wasted, and the song that he picked, first of all, this record features Danny Vaughn, who is leasing... From Taiketo? From Taiketo, yeah. (laughs) Uh, And I think this is Danny Vaughn's first project, because this was pre-Taiketo
3: this is actually a really good song it, uh, it was like I mentioned before we got started here this is one of the two songs you guys picked I hadn't heard so I went out and checked out both of them I like this song it's pretty good
2: yeah so let's play it now this is a song called Walls Fall Down So I think that's a great song. I think Danny Vaughn is a really good singer. I mean, but
3: don't you think the fact that, uh, he was into wasted in 1986, it sounds like he didn't graduate two years early. He graduated two years late. almost almost like he's been a fan of this band for a long time (laughs) well
2: sunny sunny was probably held back from rock and roll for a long time i mean and when he gets into something sunny goes hard sunny goes hard and sunny goes heavy on whatever he gets into so uh but i'm
3: kind of the same way actually uh anytime I, i like if i read it especially if i read like somebody's biography all of a sudden that's all the music i want to listen to while i'm reading it you know
2: yeah, I, you know, I kind of see that. I'm I'm sort of the same way. Uh, I just finished up not too long ago the uh, uh, Neon Angels, the uh, Cherie Curry uh, bio of the Runaways, and
3: I thought it was. Uh, did she do two of them? Did she name it something like? Oh, maybe I'm thinking of Lita Ford's book.
2: <laughs> yeah, Lita Ford's is uh, My Life is a Runaway or something.
3: Yeah. Okay. I don't forget for a couple weeks. I was in the Runaways. Is what Lily DeFord's book is called.
2: Yeah. No. Cherie Carey is the one that they ended up. I think doing the movie off of her book.
3: Sure. And uh, did you know that that made less than a million dollars at the box office? That
2: movie. Yeah. It was. It was kind of like a what, what
3: a horrible f- idea. I mean, they should have ran that by me. They would have made more money on a Lita Ford biopic, and yet Lita Ford seems to be living her life right now like she's just chasing this idea that people want the Runaways. Nobody knew who the Runaways were. (laughs) They weren't. It's not—you're not doing a fucking Rolling Stones movie here. Who the hell greenlit this thing? Somebody
2: did, you know? I
3: know, and they got some big-name talent in it, and it flopped, like—
2: it was like it wasn't it, it was kind of a critic's choice though, right? The critics all really come no, I mean, away. It's that like record. every other
3: rock documentary, it's garbage. It's it's all lies, it's all embellishments of things. I mean, it might as well have been called rock star, starring Marky Mark. I mean it, it just it it just it that's how those things go. I really don't understand how this was like the band they picked
2: a lot of what's in the movie though is in Cherie curry's book
3: well to an extent they but they they tell it differently almost like when they do a spider-man movie he he's there's subtle differences you know what i mean and there's kind of insulting things if you're a musician like no it's on the two not the four <laughs> just it's the key of e follow me you know it's like that that's how you write songs and it's that kind of shit, you know. And Kim Foley wasn't as creepy in the movie as he should have been and I don't know.
2: Yeah, he's definitely creepy. <laughs>
3: <laughs> or was. Did he die? I think he did. He did he die.
2: Yeah. He hadn't yeah, not too long ago. I think it's maybe been a few years now, but yeah. Well oh, yeah,
3: my point is that like Lita Ford sold more records than the runaways and here she is in the in the the twilight of her career. She seems to be chasing this idea. like She's constantly talking about, I'd do a Runaways reunion. Uh, My book is called Runaway. My new album is called Runaway. And it's just like, why are you not embracing who you are, which was more of a success? Especially considering she was kind of a footnote in the Runaways.
2: Well, because I think the Runaways are getting a lot of credit more recently than they did back in the day. I mean, because...
3: Selling more t-shirts than records? Well, yeah,
2: and they they probably opened up the doors to a lot of uh, females, you know, down the line, I think, probably, you know?
3: (laughs) Couldn't you make the argument that they opened up the doors to a lot of predatory people in the business <laughs> like, oh you i can do this huh 14 and uh i run away from school i'll, I'll take you in yeah <laughs> thanks kim foley good tip
2: <laughs> oh my god pick a song
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's my pick huh yeah well, you know, I just talked about Butsy, who I owe 50 bucks still, apparently, with some inflation from 1989. Are you going to play Butsy's favorite band? Definitely our his and mine most involved band of this time. We spent... Hours and hours and hours playing the great radio controversy from Tesla. Love their first record. This album took it up a notch for both of us. And I think it's just a great rock and roll record. It's not it's not so much metal. It's well-played, well-crafted music.
2: Yeah, if you'll get no arguments out of me, I'm a huge Tesla fan. So.
3: Have you seen them recently at all?
2: I did. I saw them uh, probably... Uh, well, I'm about to see them uh, next week, I think, next week when they do the Joan Jett Sticks show. But I saw them last year at the end of the year. Uh, I saw them. So, yeah, pretty recently. Still great. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. I love Tesla. The, my I own-
3: almost saw only one guy gone, too, right?
2: Yeah, my only complaint with Tesla these days with with seeing them live is they just don't do enough uh, deeper tracks for me. They do the same shit all the time, and it, and it kind of bugs me a little bit, you know?
3: Yeah, I, I, a lot of these legacy acts, they kind of fall into that rut where they don't think they can do anything else. It's like they, they get so focused on... I don't know one or two songs that the audience just doesn't go gonzo for, but don't you think that little lull makes the when you hit them with the hit, they almost like it more? That's how I think you know
2: i like, I don't know. I'm always gonna be in the minority. people like you and I I think are are generally always in the minority because we're not the average concert goer. We know the records front to back, and I mean, God damn it, do I really need to hear? signs one more time i don't i can i'd much much rather hear lady luck or this song that you're about to play or you know i mean there's just they've got so much great catalog uh with so many killer songs and i agree you know as much as as much as i love modern day cowboy i could even do without that For something else
3: (laughs) (laughs) yeah if i was picking my personal dream list where i'm the only guy in the audience uh but i do think when you go see a concert you kind of want to be part of the crowd too like as much as i I never need to hear rock and roll all all night ever played by kiss again but every time they play it i'm like fuck yeah and I'm just, I'm just like everybody else. I'm like, yeah, this is awesome, you know. So I, I get it to a certain extent. It does kind of even get you as a fan going. But I'm more with you. Like, look, like, like you said, we're not the typical concert goer. You mentioned Lady Luck. I narrowed this my selection down to two tracks, and Lady Luck was the one that lost out to Did It for the Money.
2: How can you go wrong with a title like "Did It for the Money"? Come on, did what for the money? I mean, seriously. So
3: hooky though. It's just oh, God. Man, a young guy. It's just a great song. There's just it's so good. So and good. Lady Luck too. I mean,
2: yeah. Just that's a great record. That's a, the first two records are by far my favorite two Tesla records, oh. and that's not to say that they haven't put out great shit since, but. Those they put out
3: some good song sense. I don't think they put out a great record sense.
2: No, I mean, yeah, I'll agree with that. I I think um uh what was the one right after great radio
3: controversy? That was uh,
2: um uh,
3: Edison's uh, Edison's Medicine, Medicine that one. Yeah. Shit. It wasn't called Edison's Medicine. No. Um why am I brain farting this? I, I mean, psychotic it was, supper, it,
2: it, psychotic, psychotic supper,
3: supper yep. and then that went into the five man acoustical jam, which was probably spawned their biggest hit, right?
2: Yeah, probably.
3: The science cover you you adore.
2: Yeah, it's it's my favorite song. Not, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh,
3: Sunny so, Poonies.
2: Yeah, probably. Nah, Sunny likes him some Tesla too, but he probably likes like um, love song or something like that.
3: Hey, can I say something? I really wanted to talk to Sonny about this. This, is, this has been something that I have really want, was really hoping to bring up with him, but I, I don't want to leave it on the table. Is it okay if I talk about it?
2: Absolutely. Go ahead.
3: Well, he did that uh, like individual uh, CD review of every disc of the Gene Simmons vault yep. for both your page and uh, Decibel Geek. Yeah. Now, as far as the way he wrote it, I loved it. It was the perfect synopsis for a guy like me, right? But I do have one bone to pick with him on this. And that is, like, I have a friend who who went to the Chicago Vault, and I have heard at least 95% of this, right? The, the music on this thing, right? Mm-hmm. The lowest, and he, he did like a grade of for school, A through F, right? Yeah. So you're familiar with it. Yep. The lowest grade he gave any song was a C. I've heard this. And by the way, most of this stuff has been released in some form or another. C is probably what most of the stuff aspires to. Come on, Sonny, have, have some standards. This is almost, none of this is any good. There's a reason this stuff didn't get released. And, and, and they didn't even make any effort to, like, mix it or master it or anything. It's like they plugged their little, you know, uh, uh, connector to the boombox headphone jack and press play and then record on Pro Tools. That's how they <laughs> mastered this thing. There is no effort to make this music sound good, or on any level, from recording to the CD. Uh, Sonny, almost none of these songs deserve even a C.
2: So if I'm understanding you correctly, basically what you're telling me is Sonny Pooney's review of the Gene Simmons Vault is absolutely not perfectly rated.
3: When we're talking about the music on the CDs, I I would totally say that. I think he walked away with vault goggles because he got to meet Gene. He got the experience, which is really what you're paying for. And that's all valid. But the music, come on, Sonny. There's there's very few C's on this record at all. Okay. (laughs) That's it. Rant over. Sonny, have at me.
2: There you go, Sonny.
3: Loose Canada would have been very disappointed if I didn't bring that up.
2: I, I understand that you're you're speaking for Loose, uh, and and eventually-
3: no, that, that's that's my opinion. He would have been upset that I didn't say something when I had a chance. So. <laughs> Although I'm going to see you guys in Nashville, right?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely.
3: Yeah, I'll cower behind a table and tell them then
2: all right so back to this whole uh graduation thing so what other memories do you have from your graduation year what what sticks out in your mind or just well, or just from your high school career man
3: you know I was I was really into art so I you know I, I I spent a lot of time I, I started getting into charcoal drawing around that time I also started to get a little bit better at playing guitar and started realizing that I might be pursuing music. On some level, at some point, there's not a lot of options in a town of 20,000 as far as forming a band or anything like that. Girls, 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 I, uh, boy, I was pretty much horny the entire time. <laughs> and they didn't have internet porn like they do now. I mean, it was like scrounging leftover Playboys from your dad or something. So,
1: uh,
3: it, you know what? It, it <laughs> was great. It really was. Uh, I remember I went back. The only reunion I've done is, was my 20-year reunion, and it was it was so worth it. It was good to catch up with people I hadn't seen in a long time. And, you know, even Facebook makes a lot of that stuff easier to kind of see where your, your old friends were that you are maybe not the closest with, but you still get to see them be proud of their children and things of that nature. And you can kind of reflect back to, like, I have puked with your dad. <laughs> you know, you're, you're looking at this guy like, hey, here's my you know, daughter's fifth grade uh, choir. And I'm going, yeah, I've 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 vomited with you
4: uh,
3: a deck before. Uh, so, you know, it, it's kind of cool. But no, I loved it. I really did. It, I don't regret a minute of it. I don't know that I need to go back. But uh, yeah, it, it is what it is. You know, you get older and you do different things and stuff. But concert wise, I got to see Motley Crue that year kiss hot in the shade was, uh, they kicking around that time. I don't know, man, you tell me it was great, right?
2: I had a good time. I, I mean, it was kind of what everybody talks about. I mean, there were, there were good and there were bad times. I mean, but, but mostly I don't have anything really bad to say. It was definitely a varied, uh, uh, high school year, but the biggest thing that I took away from high school is I can say, you know, I liked music and I listened to music before high school, but but honestly, for me, high school was when it really, really just escalated and just, you know, exploded. That's when you start sharing all these conversations with your friends that are into rock and roll and, and you start discovering all this stuff. I mean, the show Growing Up Rock, you know, People don't necessarily know well what is growing up rock. Well, for me, the growing up rock years I always refer to are kind of your early teens through your high school, and then you know maybe into your into your you know young twenties. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm still growing up rock today because <laughs> I'm still discovering shit that, that I forgot. But I mean, really, when I talk about the growing up rock years. The growing up rock years for me were those, you know, that 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 years old when I was in high school or just out of high school. And and you're just you're hanging with all these people that are going to concerts. I mean, we went to so many concerts. I dug out. I stumbled upon this Dio concert ticket in 1985 it cost me 1350 and it was at the arena in town and wow. i re- i remember that concert because those dio concerts for the last in line were probably at the time they were probably the best concert i had ever seen because I had not seen Kiss in all its full glory at that point in time. I missed that whole thing. And Dio had a fucking dragon that shot lasers out of his eyes (laughs) and a pyramid on stage that raised up and revealed the drum riser underneath. I mean, how freaking cool is that?
3: Were you a crew fan at all?
2: I was. Yeah, I absolutely was a crew fan, but I didn't see the crew. I didn't get to see crew until the theater of pain tour, because I didn't see them on the shout at the devil tour.
3: Well, I thought you made a good point where like, those are the years where you, you kind of grow up the the 14 on, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I remember like getting a cassette, you know, like the, and like not being able to listen to it because I just bought it the night before I listened to it, of course, but having to go to school and just basically fixating the entire day at school about like, I can't wait to go home and listen to Judas Priest Turbo because I just bought it and I have to absorb it seven times tonight. You know, <laughs> I mean, it, it was amazing how much it would just, you know, just take over my, my brain, you know, like all wasp inside the electric circus. It's in my backpack. I, I I've showed my friends, but I have to go home and listen to it.
2: Yeah, I mean exactly that stuff. That's that's why I, I talked about music then and now it's like, you know, we don't we don't gravitate towards music because there's either not enough time in our day or it's just we have attention deficit disorder and there's so much shit out there like I don't get to spend a solid 2 weeks of listening to the latest you know, Judas Priest record, I just don't get to do it. So it doesn't sink in as much.
3: Exactly. I I can totally relate to that.
2: That's the whole thing. It's just, it's just not, um, sinking in. So I missed those periods of time where you really got to do shit like that. I mean, I can remember in high school on Monday nights, staying up late with my headphones on in bed waiting for Bob (laughs) Coburn's rock line to come on because he was interviewing Van Halen or he's interviewing Def Leppard or, or whatever. And so they had this syndicated show. I don't know if you remember
3: rock line, baby
2: rock line with Bob Coburn, man. And, uh, he used to always get the best fucking guest and shit and, and kiss on a
3: bunch of times.
2: Yeah, man. And here it is. Here it is, like you know, thirty years later, and now essentially we're kind of doing the same thing. Maybe we're not as near as big or syndicated, maybe we don't get the same caliber of guests that he gets, but you know we we get to geek out once in a while and have these cool guests on and play some music and ask some cool questions and shit like yeah. that. So I mean, how cool is that?
3: It's pretty cool.
2: high school for me was all. Well and fine, and the biggest takeaway for me from high school was this beautiful thing that I call music and I can't say anything bad about it
3: agreed uh for me, it was that uh Millie vanilli uh head came out my senior year, so that what was better than girl you know is true, right
2: That's it. <laughs> So before I take us out of here, um <laughs> let's let's plug Cobras and Fire, tell people where they can find the Cobras and Fire podcast and
3: if you Google Cobras and Fire Podcast, you're gonna find us. Uh we have a SoundCloud page, a uh iTunes page, we're pretty much anywhere you can find all the podcasts you like and love. If you like uh, snarky, sarcastic, uh <laughs> you know banter, uh that's pretty absurd. Uh, with a lot of new music and and uh, I don't know, we, we do a pretty good balance of just stuff we like in general. it's It's very much all the kind of songs we've been talking about tonight, but but with newer bands involved too. Uh, I host it with Luce Cannon, who brought me on board after two episodes. so I, I come in a- on episode three. and it's been great. Uh, and and we get to we do interviews and all this other stuff, just like you guys do. And it's, it's fun to be part of the podcast community, but uh, yeah, definitely check us out. Uh, hopefully you like it and you stick around, but if not, you know, there's, there's plenty of other options out there. So, and I would not be a very nice guest if I didn't uh, tip my hat to you. It was a, a pleasure meeting you in Nashville last summer. I'm so glad that, uh, it's just- You and Sonny, by the way, Sonny could be a mascot for podcasts. He is like he literally like it's amazing. Like his parents called him. Is that his birth name? Sonny?
2: Uh, Yeah, I think so.
3: I mean, he literally looks Sonny like when he puts that smile on. He really just is just a warm, welcoming person. It was it was great meeting both of you. I'm so happy that the two of you are doing a podcast, and it's a very good podcast. I think you do a great job. You're a very good interviewer, uh, Stephen, and uh, keep up the good work, and thank you for having me on, and uh, go Cobras and Fire.
2: (laughs) Awesome. Yep, love the Cobras and Fire podcast. It's a nice change from what we do and from a lot of other podcasts because you guys have that comedic thing. You guys make my ass just die laughing sometimes, and sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's uncomfortable because you guys some of the facts you guys spew out. I don't know if you're on purposely just fucking them up or whether you seriously don't know. <laughs> Uh, and so I don't
3: know if I should tell you. uh, And and and
2: so I'm always guessing. I I, I'll be on a treadmill at the at the gym and I'll be running and I'll listen, I'll start laughing, then I'll hear something and I'll be like uh, my, my instant reaction is to text you or loose and go, you guys, you, you fuck this up. It's not this, it's this. And then I'll be like, but are they just fucking with me? And they're doing that on purpose or saying,
3: road is not a beach boys record.
2: You got, you know, it's, it's always something and it's always nonchalantly and it's always kind of in a passing conversation and it's, <laughs> It's it's it, it, it yeah your podcast it makes me laugh it's it's definitely fun to listen to and so I'm just like you I listen to it as much as I can because it's kind of hard to get in all the podcasts that we like because there's so many of them
3: <laughs> and I'm old I have to listen to them in my car or when you know exactly
2: <laughs> me as well and uh, uh, our friend Hollywood who missed out you know
3: Hollywood. Hollywood. I I just love all you guys. I I like all the difference, the color and shape that kind of goes through the podcast community is what I look for. Uh, I avoid the ones that are just repetitive kind of garbage. You guys offer something unique that I don't get from Decibel Geek. They offer something I don't get from Talk To Me and Talk To Me offers me something that uh, I don't get from listening to myself on Cobras and Fire.
2: Right. Yeah. I mean, that is really the best thing about uh, podcasting and this whole community is, is amazing. That's one of the best things that i can actually say about getting into podcasting is i enjoy i enjoy the rock and roll i enjoy the the hang and we out.
3: shared a table last year
2: yeah we sure did that's right i shared a table with with you loose and your jerk socks
3: <laughs> yes uh and uh, the jerk socks thank you
2: <laughs> yeah so uh, there's no telling what we're getting this year
3: yeah no, no i can i I don't think the socks will be coming back, but we definitely have some in in uh in store i, I it should be a surprise though right
2: i would be i would be remissed uh if I said uh, I wasn't looking forward to uh the rat and docking concert out in the uh in the <laughs> parking lot. <laughs> <laughs>
3: so, Ella, if you want, we can book you guys for like a, a 20 minute segment of uh, uh, you know uh, growing up rock uh, for part of Cobra Fest. You know,
2: yeah, I think that's probably a great idea. I think Sonny. And, and it I sounds like okay. uh,
3: Joey from Rock Strikes Ten has checked out as a, uh, MC. You'll you'll find that out in the next episode of uh, Cobras and <laughs> Fire. We might be looking for someone new. You, if you if you're interested, uh, I can put a good word in for you.
2: Yeah, if you wouldn't mind. I mean, I I think that would be a, a dream to do Cobra Fest. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think that, uh, you know, if if we could possibly get five minutes with the corpse of Don Dockin and maybe uh, be able to talk to uh, Joey, the plumber, who I who I understand is the new guitar player and rat taking D. Martini's place. <laughs> I think his name is Joe, Joey, the Joey from Joe's Plumbing or something. I can't remember.
3: I'm sure I can make that happen.
1: It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. All
2: right, it's time for our historic moment, and for this week, because Hollywood is off, um, stuck in traffic, and just generally just. Ducking, uh, Baco. I'm gonna turn this <laughs> uh, this over to uh, Baco. Baco, what do you got for our kiss store moment this week?
3: Well, one of the songs that I uh, almost begrudgingly enjoyed during my senior year with my friends was the kiss song "Let's Put the X in Sex," uh, which came out on Smashes, Thrashes, and Hits, the greatest hits release they did towards the end of '88. Uh, some friends of mine know we all liked it, so but. The song, the album features the historic moment in my mind uh, of Eric Carr replacing, or yeah, Eric Carr replacing uh, Peter Chris's vocals on Beth, which is kind of blasphemous, even though I really could give a shit about the song Beth. Uh, But can we play the song Let's Put the X and Sex?
2: We can. Who doesn't want to play the the X and Sex? (laughs) (laughs) let's let's put that x and sex let's put it in right now and that's what she said by the way I'm going to play us out with a song from a band that we just don't play enough of. And this UFO, it, it is not UFO. It is Canadian trio, not Rush, but Triumph. And uh, and this is a song that I happen to like. I'm am a I'm a casual Triumph fan, so there's a lot of Triumph that I do like, but there's also a lot of Triumph that I'm not a huge fan of.
3: But they have at least three or four almost iconic songs that have just dis- disappeared.
2: Yep. This isn't necessarily an iconic song, but it is off the Seven Thunders record, and I think that it's a really rocking tune, which I quite enjoy. I enjoy the riff at the beginning, so this is a song called Spellbound, and we will talk to you folks next week.
3: Thanks. Baco. Bye-bye.